Gowie, what do Jordan Walker, Anthony Volpe, Corbin Carroll, and uh, Tanner Bybee and Gunnar Henderson all have in common? They were all opening day 2023 Major League Baseball players. Exactly. And not only were they Major League Baseball players, they played a pretty significant role on their teams last year. Now, there were a bunch of guys that also did pretty well and made some pretty big impacts on their club across the course of the year that did not make the opening day roster. Guys kind of like Ellie De La Cruz, um, who came up later in the year. And yeah, he kind of fell off a little bit, but you can't deny that he made a huge impact on that Reds team last season. Hello and welcome back to Getaway Day. As always, I am Mason. He is Gautham. And we are here to sing you songs. No, wait, hold on. That's not right. Um, Where's my calendar? Oh, no, this is pod night. Oh, sorry. I thought it was Thursday. That's on me. Um, That's on me. No, welcome back to another episode of Getaway Day. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about impact prospects for 2024. So similar to those guys that we talked about or that I mentioned there in the cold open, um, there's some guys who are going to be making clubs out of spring this year and some guys who are maybe not going to come up until later in the season. But we've got a pretty hefty list of guys that I think might make a pretty big impact here on 2024. And we want to give them some love get them in front of some people, especially kind of the the back end guys that we're going to talk about, like the back end of the season guys that if they're prospects for your team, you definitely know who they are. But if they're not for your team, you probably don't know who they are at all. So we wanted to give some love to some guys like that. Before we get into that, Yowie, how's your week been? How's your weekend that technically hasn't occurred because we're recording early? Um. Uh, it's going well. Uh, very happy that it's February. The calendar has turned and uh, we got uh, spring training reporting next week, right? Just a week from today for many teams. This is dropping on Monday. <laughs> Shoot. Forgot about that. Well, so- even better. Baseball is coming to you in two days from Perfect. Arizona and uh, Florida. Perfect. Yeah, so, and last year we had the opportunity to speak to uh, Ryan Ludus from the Memphis Redbirds um, and kind of got an idea of what he was gearing up for uh, for spring last year. Um, so, but today we want to talk about some of the other prospects that are going to be at camps around the league. Um, we do not have a guest like Ryan on the pod, unfortunately. Um but yeah, I think without further ado, let's just kind of get into it. So I think we would be doing a disservice if we didn't start this conversation of um, the uh, prospects that are going to make a big impact on their club without first mentioning guys that have already got some love here in this week in baseball in the last couple of weeks. A couple guys who have signed extensions, long term extensions with their club before even making their major league debut. Uh, first being Colt Keith, uh, 
who just signed an extension with the Tigers here two weeks ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one being Jackson Churio, who signed an extension with the Milwaukee Brewers. So I want to start with um, Colt Keith. So Colt Keith is a second base and third baseman for the Tigers. Um, coming up, he grades out as a really, really high prospect, 50, uh, 50 future value prospect, according to um, Fangraphs. Uh, the team's number three. Um, he was not actually in the top 100 uh, last year, but I believe he is now. Um, MLB has not released their top 100 yet, but uh, for example, Keith Law of The Athletic has Colt Keith at 36 on his list. Um, so with him getting the uh, the eight-year contract or six-year contract with two club options, three club options, 2030, uh, yeah, 2031, 2032. A, okay. A, yeah. Yeah. So um, with him signing essentially a nine-year contract, if everything goes, goes the way that um, we're hoping, um, he's probably slotted to be in the starting lineup for the Tigers to uh, on opening day, isn't he? Yeah, I know AJ Hinch was being all diplomatic and saying, you know, he really has to earn it. But I think the money kind of you follow the money here. There's there's zero incentive now for the Tigers to say, yeah, he's going to start the season in the minor leagues. There's no service time manipulation at play. I see no reason to believe that Colt Keith is not going to be in the starting lineup for the Tigers, probably in the middle of their lineup, because it's really not it's not a super deep lineup they need guys like colt keith who had a monstrous minor league season last year at uh double a and triple a and this guy's got real real power uh seems like he he he's gonna figure it out at the major league level he's gonna be a very good hitter um that positional fit might be a challenge for him but I think he's a good enough hitter that even if he's kind of like below average or just about average at second or third, it's going to, it's going to go well for the Tigers. Yeah. And it looks like right now roster resource is slotting him to take over second base from Nick Maton, but I'm not even seeing Nick Maton on the, is he hurt? And I just forgot. What happened with Nick Maton? Very confused. There's a lot of guys in that um, kind of competing for second base, third base roles on that team. Guys like Andy Abanez and Matt Veerling, Zach McKinstry. I think Nick Maton's probably buried on that that depth chart if he's even around. Yeah, I, I'm thinking he might not be around because I like the thing that's confusing me is I was scrolling down through even the minor league uh, minor league options here, and I'm just not seeing him. Jace Young. They uh, DFA'd him uh, yesterday or today. Oh, well, that would certainly explain it. Interesting. So, yeah, so I guess he's taking over the position that Nick Maton and uh, Matt Veerling were kind of trading off last year is my point. Um, But, yeah, and but Colt Keith, uh, we were kind of talking about this during – the this week in baseball here a week or two ago, but he was really, really good last year across double A and triple A 
hitting uh, 300 across both levels uh, combined with uh, 27 home runs, um, about a 20% K rate, about a 10% walk rate. So you'd kind of expect in the majors, he's probably going to strike out a bit more to start, probably going to walk a bit less. But if those are the uh, the rates that you're coming to the majors with, you're probably not going to be too too big of a strikeout risk. So um, I feel like even if he's like trying to struggle to find a position, his bat and his selectiveness is probably going to help keep him in the lineup. Um, they might end up trying to uh, platoon him because he is a, a really, really young lefty. He's only 22 years old. Um, but, but I do think that he's going to be kind of the next big piece of the future for this, uh, this Tigers team. So yeah, big year for the Tigers. They've got some guys that are kind of in a make or break territory. I feel like with Spencer Torkelson, like was a guy that kind of really popped off in the second half. Let's see if he can continue it going forward. and. Other guys like Riley Green and and others that showed some potential, but but this lineup needs more more guys. Yeah, a hundred percent. And they do have some other prospects who might come up later in the year, but might be next year. Kind of your Jace Youngs, your um, oh shoot, who else is in that list? Because I know uh, Parker Meadows is going to be up this year. Um, but there's another, I think there's another hitter that I'm blanking on. Uh, uh, oh no, it was a pitcher that I was thinking of, uh, which is, Jackson Job. um, Jackson Job. Yeah. Um, granted Jackson Job is a couple levels away right now. So if he makes it up, he's probably been pretty darn good in the minors this year, but uh, crazier things have happened. So be on the lookout for Jackson Job. Um, all right, but speaking of Jackson Job, what do you say we get to all the Jacksons? We're only talking about Jacksons today. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we talk about Jackson Job, we've got four of the eight are going to be Jacksons. Yeah. Um, so, first and foremost, the guy who signed the big extension, eight year, $82 million, Jackson Churio, outfielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. And he is definitely going to be on the uh, the opening day roster. At this point, it kind of seems like Milwaukee is just kind of mailing it in. I guess and you I, say definitely, but I guess I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like I'm, I'm like ninety nine percent sure that he would be on the opening day roster. But the thing that's different from Keith is that. Uh, Jackson Churio is only 19 years old right now. He hasn't even turned 20 and there's a chance that, you know, he struggles a lot in spring, for example. And they just say, let's just get his confidence high and, and get him swinging the bat well again. And, and then we'll see him in, in three weeks or whatever. Like they don't have to necessarily push him just because of the contract. Like they can start him the minors. Yeah. But at the same time, it kind of feels like this uh, this club is. I, they're not mailing it in like the Brewers don't mail it in, but like it kind of seems like the club is realizing that this is maybe not the strongest team that they've put out in a while. 
Um, it's really, really young. They, and I mean, we talked about this in this week in baseball here on Thursday of last week. Uh, but with the trade of Corbin Burns, like it starts to take this team and you have less uh, sure things right now. So like the rotation isn't quite as good as it was before losing both him and Woodruff. Um, and so it kind of feels like they might just, as long as the struggles aren't too big, bring him up and let him adjust at the major league level. I mean, hell it's the NL central. It's not the hardest division of the six. Like there's a chance that you'll see some growth from him here at the major league level. Also, he's going to be 20, I think at the opening day. Yep. So, um, but, but the player himself, like this guy is clearly going to be a superstar. He, he, like, I have no, real questions even without having seen him play for the brewers at all i just think that his rapid ascent through the minor leagues where he's maybe had some tiny struggles when he first like plays at a level but then after that he just starts dominating and that's exactly what he did last year where he kind of started out a little bit rough and then basically a little bit into the season he just went off and cut his strikeout rate, hit for power, um, stole like 40 plus bases. I mean, he is a real like five tool player, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think his, uh, uh, fan page is a little bit misleading. Um, because a lot of the numbers that jump out at you and you go, Oh God, that was a bad stop. Well, then you look over and it's like 20 plate appearances. So um, the stops that he was at for like a significant amount of time, like the highest strikeout rate he had was 28%, but he's been around 20 at both uh, high A and double. He's pretty much always walked 7%. Um, He's been 20 homer power both years so far in the minors. And so, yeah, it, it like it definitely looks like he's had his struggles starting out. But it tends to it seems like he acclimates pretty quickly is, is my point. Yeah, no, like um, it's not a lot of games. And the other thing is he's only played six games at AAA yeah. ever. So that kind of goes back to my thought that there is a chance that he, he doesn't break camp with the team. Yeah, that's fair. But I do think by the end of the year, he's going to be one of the better players on that team. hundred percent. And this guy, this is a guy that they have a lot of actual other options that could legitimately play center field for a major league team. But I think the day that Jackson Churio is up, you plop him in center field and say, all right, everyone else is playing other positions now. Yeah, exactly. Garrett Mitchell will be playing a corner outfield. You've got uh, Sal Frelick who will be playing corner outfield. You've got Joey Weimer who will be playing corner outfield. And they're all like, good defenders. They yeah. could legitimately play center field, and they will not because when you have a player of this caliber and this star potential that can play center field, you absolutely you know, exhaust that path until you're proven wrong. Yeah, 100%. Um. The one other thing with Jackson uh, Churio is 
it does. I, I do want people to uh, remember that no matter how high anyone is on him, um, there is the possibility uh, that he could have a season kind of similar to like an Anthony Volpe or a Jordan Walker. Other mega uber prospects that made the opening day roster. They are still regarded as some of the best young talent in the majors and are probably going to become superstars. But they had a rough rookie season, at least based or compared to the expectations that were set for them prior to the year. Um, So even if he comes up, he very well might struggle. But don't count him out based on his rookie season if it's not a slam dunk rookie of the year campaign. Um because, like, I don't think anyone's looking at, like, Volpe or Jordan Walker and going, ah, those guys are bums, are they? Uh, I think a lot of Yankees fans are saying that Volpe's a bum. Yeah, but a lot of Yankees fans are wrong. I don't know. So I'm, I'm definitely, like, my opinion on Volpe has changed in the year, and that's something that can happen, too, right? Mm, you realize, true. okay, this guy is maybe not what we thought. Even, even if he ends up being better than what he first shows, uh, the ceiling can can drop on players based on the, the Carlson treatment. I mean, Carlson got worse as he went along. He's a little well. Different. Well, that's what that's what I mean. Is like he he was really hyped up, and then we go, ah, we might have been wrong. No, and well, then I was thinking it was even different than that. And I, I thought he looked promising right at the beginning. Then he got even worse. But I don't know. This is a very side tangent. Yeah. Um, but we've got two more Jacksons that we have to talk about too. Uh, Jackson holiday. Um, this guy is, I think the favorite to be rookie of the year this year, isn't he? 19 year old Jackson holiday, the older son of former Rocky Cardinal Yankee, Matt holiday, older brother to, I did. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. And A's Um, older brother to Ethan Holiday. Future first overall pick. Uh, I think this year, maybe. Right. I think he's I think he's a little younger. Or is he next year? High school. Yeah. Okay, but either way, Jackson Holiday, you should probably know him. And if you don't, well, you're you'd probably need to not live under that rock. Wait, who is, uh, the, who is the number two pick in the 2022 draft? It was some big, big name guy. It was there kind of a debate between who would be number one and number two. Uh, I'm, I feel dumb that I dude, it's not Cam Collier. He was fourth overall, right? No, he fell a lot in that draft. 2022 MLB draft. Sorry, guys, we have to look this up. Drew Jones. So, yeah, Drew Jones and Jackson Holiday were the two guys that were debated, like, who would be the number one pick. A lot of people had Drew Jones as their number one player. Some people had Jackson Holiday. Jackson Holiday ended up going number one. Drew Jones has had a ton of issues as his career has kind of gotten started. He, he basically got injured. Before his career even started, he was like coming back from that. He struggled with more injuries in 2023. It's been honestly extremely poor start to a professional career. Meanwhile, Jackson Holiday has had the best possible 
start to a career you can ever like imagine there's there's been no challenges really along the way the guy has dominated every single stop he's he's played at and he played at four different minor league levels in 2023 which puts him right on the doorstep of uh, making an impact with the Orioles this upcoming season yeah now the one thing that didn't like really show in the minors so far. And he was 19 last year. He's, he's 20 right now. Um, but that was his power. Like he's regarded as like a really, really high, uh, high ceiling power prospect, especially for shortstops. Last year, he hit 12 home runs across four different levels. Um, with five being the most at a single stop at high. A. um, but I do recommend uh, I, I was on YouTube the other day and there's a channel called the Baseball Bat Bros. I don't know is if you've the, ever heard of him. Wait, did he do a home run derby with his dad and his brother? And yeah, he did a home yeah, run derby with, that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, with his dad, his brother, and then the guys that run the channel. Um, and they were all using the bats that they used in high school. Um, and Matt Holiday actually won it if you look at number of home runs hit. But Jackson that guy looks like he could he could go out and play for any any dude team today. He hit he hit one like four seventy in that thing. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Jackson, you you see his swing and his swing is just so clean that I I don't think he's going to have any any issues at the major league level. I, I well he might have some struggles, but I think overall he's going to do pretty darn good. The thing that amazes me about his minor league uh, stops is his walk rates in the minors. Like the lowest walk rate that he had at any stop was 12.8% across 36 games at double A, which granted with him being at four stops, like his sample size at each level is kind of small. So you shouldn't be expecting 26.3%, 20.9%, 19.3%. I feel like 12 is probably closer to where it'll actually be. Um, but that's still ridiculously high walk rates. That's like yeah, Juan Soto level walk rates, isn't it? Yeah, and for like a 19-year-old, right? It's not like this guy, he, he basically has like an old man skill of being able to walk a lot and be patient and for someone to not want to like be impressing everyone and swinging out of his shoes, like he's got a patient approach. And he also just seems like he has incredible, like bat to ball skill too. I don't know if the power is ever going to be like huge in the majors. Maybe he's like a 20 home run guy. Maybe. I mean, if you get a 20 home run guy out of him, it, that's you're perfectly happy with that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause he, he does so many other things. Well, he's probably going to be pushing 400 OBPs. He's probably going to be uh, hitting for high average and playing great defense and stealing bases there. Yeah. He's just great at baseball. They're, like there's no other like, thing I got to say. The, he, he reminds me a lot of Bobby Witt when Bobby Witt was coming up, but I think he's, a little bit more well-rounded whereas Bobby Witt had more power well yeah I think yeah the power is the difference and the other thing is the the plate discipline that Jackson Holiday far surpasses what Bobby Witt was doing and, and still what he does because Bobby Witt was more like what you would expect out of a 18 19 year old in the minors where 
he's better than everyone on the field as an athlete and just baseball talent wise. So he's there to hit, he's there to like swing his bat. And he was great at that. And and that's how he's made himself into a superstar in the major leagues too. But holidays kind of got more away. So it, it feels like it's going to be hard for him to not be successful with, with what he's shown so far. Yeah. Now I, I will be kind of excited to see because Jackson Holiday's got some speed too. Yeah. He didn't really use it at double A or triple A, but he used it a lot at high A. Um, seventeen steals there in fifty-seven games, and so it, I imagine that as he gets comfortable and is uh, at the majors for kind of a, a longer period of time, he's probably going to be using his speed and trying to take some bags and actually kind of show that, that skill. So that's going to be really, really fun to watch. Um, I just, I hate that he is major league ready right now because I still remember watching him as a seven-year-old shagging fly balls for his dad. You sound old now. I do. And I hate it. Like I realize I'm only eight years older than him. Like it's not that, much but it's just weird it is weird yeah that now we're seeing you know songs of players that we've seen their entire major league careers unfolding yeah yeah and that, then the that second son. Only 44 so yeah it's just wild yeah uh but i one more thing on holiday i think he's going to be on the major league team because because he's so good, but also because the Orioles know what the reward, the potential payoff of him being there from opening day, and that's a draft pick, which they just secured from uh, Gunnar Henderson's rookie season. So, yeah, that's the plan. Which, which uh, that's the other thing here is um, Jackson Holiday kind of his spot was opened up a little bit. Um, with some of the moves that were just made. So when the Orioles brought in Corbin Burns, they sent Joey Ortiz back. So that removes one of the granted Jackson. Jackson holiday is not going to be held up by anybody. But my point is like they're trading from an area of strength to just make it easier to not have just a a still good player just sitting in triple a. So, Send out Joey Ortiz, bring up Holiday. Jordan Westberg will play second. Gunner's going to move to third permanently. Like it, looking at looking at the projected uh, lineup, it actually looks like they've kind of they've got a pretty good plan, and I, I really like this lineup. Looking at it now, I think the the one that I dislike the most out of it or the player that I dislike the most out of it is either Ryan O'Hearn, who had a really good season last year, or Ryan Mountcastle, who just it didn't pan out to be quite as good as I think they were hoping. Even though he's still a good player. So, But it, this lineup's scary, though, man. Yeah, it's going to be fun. For such a young lineup, it's I guess, terrifying. Yeah, we don't know, right? We haven't really seen that much out of, like, Westberg and... Uh, yeah. And Kerstad. Like there, there, there's some question marks, but these guys all have insanely high ceilings. Well, and Heston Kerstad's probably going to be starting in the minors too. 
Maybe. Just because yeah. there's not really anywhere for him to play. Is, uh, who do you who do you eat? Seti? Austin Hayes? <laughs> like. Yeah, I don't know. They, they have those things to figure out. For sure. It's like you don't eat Santander. I know that you keep him. <laughs> He's your power guy. But. All right, we got one more Jackson, and that is Jackson Merrill for the San Diego Padres. Jackson Merrill uh, made it to double A last season. Um, And across 2023, he hit about 288 uh, or not 288, 278 combined across the two levels. Um, Really, really, really low strikeout rate of around 12 percent. 15 home runs. 15 steals, uh, pretty good walk rates. Like, and he plays shortstop. So all those tools, if they translate up to triple and then to the majors, that's a pretty darn good shortstop. If you're getting about 2020 power, yeah, 2020 with almost no strikeout, swing and miss, like, you love that. Yeah, I guess, uh, reason he's on the list is for opportunity and you talked about him being a shortstop he is a really good shortstop but unfortunately for him shortstop is kind of uh taken by uh, a guy named xander bogarts so that's probably not an op like an option for him right away maybe he'll move into that eventually but there was a recent report that jackson merrill will be getting some reps in center field in spring training and the reason why that's particularly notable is because I'll ask you a question. Can you name any outfielders on the San Diego Padres? Uh, yes. Go. Former shortstop, rookie of the year, Fernando Tatis Jr. Okay, that's one. Can you name any others? Crap, I didn't know that this was going to be a multi-part question. <laughs> um uh yeah, the former uh uh Brewer. Him, uh Tr- Trent Grisham. Incorrect. He was traded uh in the Juan Soto deal. He's a Yankee. What? Okay. Uh I'll save you I'll save Jurex you. and Prof no Profar was on the Rockies. He did go back to the to the Padres by the end of the season, but he's not a member of the Padres any any longer. There is okay. only one other outfielder on the entire 40-man roster, and his name is Jose Azucar. So Really? Basically, we're one week out from spring training, and the Padres have two outfielders on their team. So a guy like Jackson Merrill, who's super athletic, super fast, seems like a perfect fit to transition into a center fielder. And that may not be like right away. That may not be... At the beginning of the season, the guy's only 20 and he's never played at triple A. But I think Jackson Merrill is going to be roaming center field at Petco Park by like the middle of the season this year. So, yeah, so I'm looking at um, roster resource right now, and it looks like there are six non roster invitee outfielders right now. <laughs> can you can you give me some names? I'm going to give you the three that you're not going to know first, and then I'll give you the three that you'll know. Um, Jacob Marcy, okay. uh, who did play in the AFL. Um, yeah, he he's 20, 22 years old. Um, he was six round pick in 2022. Um, Terso Ornelas. 
Okay. Not familiar with uh, his work. Robert Perez Jr. I don't know you. Okay. Now we're going to go to the guys who... So on the injured list is Tucapita Marcano. But they have Oscar Mercado, Bryce Johnson, and Cal Mitchell, all as non-roster invitees as well. And I would expect that probably Mercado and Cal Mitchell will end up on the Major League Club. Um, they're guys that do have uh, track records at the majors, um, whereas those other guys do not. Um, and Cal Mitchell's decent. He uh, he was a rookie last year for the Pirates. He, I think the Pirates just between Kutch, Sawinski, and guy number three at G1 Bay. See the other outfielder? Yeah. Yeah, it just kind of felt like he wasn't going to crack it there, which maybe is a bad sign. <laughs> it's kind of a bad sign, yeah. Like, yeah. getting back to the point here, like, we're talking about two major league outfielders, one who's like a well below average hitter, and the other, like, six non-roster invitees vying for spots on this roster. So it's like, okay. Yeah. If they're not really going to do anything significant, then it opens a runway for their prospects like um, Jacob Marcy and Graham Pauly and Jackson Merrill to go take those jobs because they're absolutely available. Yeah. Now, my question would be, who's their center fielder? Is, is it Azakar? I, I don't know, man. Because I, I, there's no way that they can go into a season and have Jose Azucar be their starting center fielder. That's that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, but, uh, but my my competitive. My point is, if you bring up Jackson Merrill in the outfield, he's not played the outfield. Yeah, that's so, why I wasn't. So do you? That so he, do you? He'd do it right away. Well, yeah, but so like potentially left field is going to be the easiest way to get him onto the major league roster this year. No, no, so, no. they're not going to do that. Right. They're going to get him like in center field. He, he's going to learn to play it and then go play it when he's ready. All right. All right. I can see that. But yeah, so that would definitely be a later in the season thing if he does make it up. And also, he's not even played triple A. So I'm going to guess that if that's kind of the route that they're going with it, they'll probably start him in double A somewhere where he's comfortable hitting. Let him start to learn how to play center field, then bring bring him up to triple A, let him adjust there and then bring him up is kind of my guess is what would happen with him throughout the course of the year. Does that seem fair? Yeah, but I th I think they could be aggressive with him. Like a guy that has contact skills and great athlete, I think they might push him. And we've seen the Padres graduate their prospects faster than a lot of other teams. They're not like trying to hold guys down at all. They're they're trying to do everything they can to put well, the best they, team out there. Maybe they should have developed uh, Jerickson Profar a little bit longer. Oof. Yeah. Come on, he wasn't even their prospect. Oh, was he Jersey. an ace prospect? No, he was Texas Rangers. He was like number one prospect in baseball for like four straight years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently, Tyler Wade is also in the... Uh, yeah, Tyler Wade's also in uh, non-roster invitee in the Padres organization. He, he might end up making it 
uh, as the one of the opening day guys. Not exactly a thrilling option, but okay. No, but when you when you don't have a third outfielder, yeah, you got to put someone there. Yeah. So, all right. So, a couple more guys that I want to talk about. Uh, we haven't talked about any pitchers yet. Uh, so I kind of want to talk about Ricky Tiedemann. So Ricky Tiedemann is a really, really high upside um, pitching prospect for the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, he's been around since 2022 when he was drafted um, in the third round. Uh, he pitched pretty well in 2022. Uh, a sub-3 ERA across uh, A-ball, high A-ball, and double A-ball in... 18 starts about 90 no that's not 90 that's 78 innings 79 innings so a really really good start to his minor league career as a 19 year old and then in 2023 he ended up actually getting hurt um and he made what 11 12 24 15 starts across four different levels um, getting some work in at complex ball coming back from his injury. I believe he had a shoulder issue early in the season, went on the IL and then had a shoulder impingement later in the season. But then he uh, came back and pitched four games in the Arizona fall league and was fairly, fairly good there. Um, a lot of movement on his breaking ball. His fastball was, was looking good. And so there's a lot of reason to believe that he could, if he stays healthy, end up uh, unlocking something there and making it up to the big club. Since he did pitch at Triple A, even though it was one game for four innings last year, but with his fall league experience, I, I do think there's a world in which Ricky Tiedemann might end up making the Blue Jays either as a back end rotation guy, number five, if someone goes down, or uh, in the bullpen. Uh, at some point here in the second half of the year, if they're in a playoff push. So, yeah, yeah I'm just uh, looking at Ricky Tiedemann highlights because everyone is mentioning his unique delivery and I can, I'm not a doctor, but I, I feel like I understand why he's struggling with shoulder injuries because his delivery is extremely like cross body and unorthodox. And it doesn't look, it doesn't look pretty. Like it looks extremely deceptive for the hitter, but I also feel like it would be difficult to have really good command with that kind of violence and uh, weirdness. So, ac- according to Keith Law, quote, his delivery isn't ideal for durability as his shoulder stays open late with some sling to the arm stroke. They might be putting uh, undue pressure on the joint. Okay. So, yeah. Um, but if he's healthy enough, he does think that he's a mid-rotation starter. Um, or if his control and command don't really improve, uh, probably a high-leverage reliever type guy. But this is going to be a really, really tough AL East, especially this year, bringing in Corbin Burns and actually adding some some top-level pitching to yet another team. So there's a world in which the blue Jays are going to need to throw everything they have at this roster in order to make the playoffs. And Ricky Tiedemann is one of those guys that 
could potentially give you a new look or a fresh look out of the pen, that deceptive uh, arm action. So there's there's definitely a path for him to make it this year. Yeah, absolutely. He's a as you mentioned, he's a big prospect. He's been a known guy for a while now because when he when he's on, he's incredibly good. Like what did it was 2022 where he kind of like did really well, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, 70 78 and two thirds innings of uh basically a sub 2.5 ERA in 2022 at 19 years old. One of the younger guys at two of the three or two of the three levels he played at. So, and he had big strikeout stuff at every stop that he's been like his case per nine is probably not the best, uh, best thing here, but uh, there we go. Percentage. Yeah. Like a 30, 30% 30% ca- or strikeout guy at every level so above, far. Above 30% at every yeah. level. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he could be a pretty big factor, especially if someone goes down in the rotation or they just want that different look in the, uh, in the bullpen. So, yeah. And I think you mentioned the AFL, but a lot of times when guys get sent to the AFL, that means, you know, the team's, thinking about them and and they're probably going to get promoted pretty soon. Yeah, they're they're trying to get them more looks for one. Um get them basically against the best, the best competition and the the fall league does not uh treat pitchers very nicely. So if you pitch well at the fall league, you're probably pretty good. So yeah, so I, I think Tiedemann will be a, a factor this year. Uh, I think we have time for maybe one more guy. And yep. th- I want to talk about a guy. I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to go to a Cardinal. You know who I'm talking about. But a guy that uh, was drafted pretty high, I think a second round pick. No, sorry, a fifth round pick uh, back in 2022 um, that kind of flew under the radar uh, coming out of college and then just kind of burst onto the scene last year. Uh, tying the professional uh, lead for stolen bases. And that's Victor Scott II for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, He had 95 steals across high A and double A last year. 95. Ronald Acuna just had 70. And we thought that was one of the greatest things we've ever seen because it was in our lifetime. This guy stole 95 bags. And he's one of the best defensive center fielders, period. And he's 22. So the Cardinals right now have a really weird plan, I think, with the with their um, their lineup and their their uh, defensive positioning and stuff. Like the Cardinals have had a log jam in the outfield for a long time. We finally clear up some space to give Jordan Walker and Lars Newtbar full-time jobs. Um, center field is going to be manned by Tommy Edmond, which Tommy has played that position really, really well, and that opens up the middle infield a little bit. But Victor Scott is has been so good defensively in the minors, and that speed, that that defense, 
and the really, really low strikeout rate of only 15%. Like he's, he's starting to get some looks by the Cardinals to come up to the big club this year. So he went to the fall league last year. He played really well there. He doesn't have a lot of power, but he's a guy that is, if he's putting the bat on the ball and putting the ball in play, he's so fast that he's going to be, he's going to be stealing base hits on routine grounders. Yeah. 362 oh. this year. And yeah, I think the power may be the thing that holds them back from being like a truly amazing uh, hitter at the major league level, but he does other stuff. Well, like you mentioned, like the defense, the base running, obviously like if you steal 95 bases, you're probably going to be pretty good on the base pets. Uh, yeah. I guess my other thought, we, I know we talked about this a lot yesterday offline, but the Cardinals are not an aggressive team with their promotions no. as opposed to like the Padres. So I don't know if I, obviously it depends on performance. So if Victor Scott has a great season. Yes. I think we could see him by the end of the year, but right now I would say, I don't think he's going to make it up by the end of the year. Well, so my, my thinking is that if he's up at all, it'll be August. Like he'll come up in August and then basically they'll give him two months to just run with it. And because that's like such a rare scenario, like assuming the Cardinals are a competing team, they probably would have done pretty well up to that point. And they're probably going to want to go with the guys they have. Yeah, I I think a lot of it is going to hinge on um, health for guys like uh, Nolan Gorman and Brendan Donovan. And I realize talking about two second basemen when I'm talking about a center fielder doesn't necessarily makes sense but i think you know where i'm going with this uh gorman has had some some back issues here that kept him on the il a bit last year brenda donovan had um uh, a procedure on his elbow um and so both of those guys if their uh injuries kind of come back this year um tommy may have to slide back into uh the middle infield and I mean, Mason Wynn, if he struggles, he might get sent back down. Tommy takes back over at short. Like, Tommy Edmond is, he's the spark plug of the Cardinals. You pick him up, put him anywhere in the field, he'll play it, he'll play it well, and he's always going to be in the lineup. It's just a question of where. And so depending on where injuries occur on the Cardinals, Tommy might not be able to play center field the whole season. He might have to move to second. He might have to move to short. Um, at which point I think it opens up the door for Victor Scott to come up and get an extended look because at this point we kind of know what we're getting with Dylan Carlson. Lars can play center field, absolutely, but they want to leave him in left. They want to leave Walker in right and just let those guys eat, let them stay in their spots and continue to develop with the bat. So I think that's where Victor Scott's opportunity is going to come. And... Ideally, he. This is going to sound weird. Ideally, he doesn't debut this year. Ideally, he debuts next year. But I think if he debuts this year, he's going to end up becoming a mainstay. Did that make sense? I think so. yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So that is all we have time for for today. There are some guys that we didn't get a chance to talk about that. I think deserves some love. So I'll just shout their names out here as we end the episode here. Uh, guys like Arelvis Martinez for the Blue Jays, Will Warren for the 
The Yankees. Yankees. Kyle Manzardo for the Guardians. Um, these are guys who could all make some pretty big impacts in their clubs this year. I know Kyle Manzardo is probably going to be the opening day first baseman for the Guardians. So um, look out for him. Uh, but that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much for listening. And we will see you guys back on Thursday for this week in baseball. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app or YouTube to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Getaway Day Pod. If you enjoy card collecting, check out our sister YouTube channel at Getaway Day Cards. <laughs>